Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Dallas Christian College's Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, and we are kicking off a series of podcasts that we hope are going to be challenging and thought-provoking for you, our listener. Over the next several months, we're going to be looking at current topics and events that are impacting our society, the world of education, and the church with the goal of creating some fresh discussion and engaging conversation. Today, I'm here with DCC President Dr. Brian Smith and Mark Worley, the Vice President of Institutional Advancement. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing the importance of a Christian worldview for leaders. And so I'm going to turn it over to Mark and let him kick us off. Wow, well done, Scott. That was that was incredible. You make a great announcer. You ought to be a weatherman sometime. I, that's my, my goal and dream, <laughs> is to one day do that. Well, hey, one of the things that we talk about a lot at uh, Dallas Christian College is producing graduates from the college that have a, a, a Christian, a solid Christian worldview. So I, I know that's really important for you, Brian. Mm-hmm. So I mean, why why is why is a why is a worldview important anyway? You know, uh, everyone has a worldview, whether they know it or not. Um, whether it's well known or if someone is self aware of their worldview is a different question. Yeah, um, that's really the key. And sometimes we have uh, beliefs and uh, deeply held beliefs that are deeply contradictory with other beliefs. So, you know, worldview ultimately, uh, in in many ways builds the foundation for everything you do and believe and what societies do and believe and political parties and and any other group you can think of worldview is a huge uh, huge issue it's ultimately foundational you know i've done a lot of study in uh in cross-cultural work Mm. and it's almost like there's a culture and then there's a subculture and a sub subculture and a sub sub subculture and it sounds like you know worldview encompasses all of that yeah, it really does. I mean, the, the concept of worldview does have its limitations, and there's been uh, several works written on that in the last decade or two about maybe the inadequacy of worldview to describe everything. But um, when you're discussing, you know, world religions or uh, major cultural differences, at the end of the day, you can boil most disagreements and other things down to there's a worldview issue here, there's a worldview difference. There's a foundational belief that is at odds with another foundational belief. Yeah, so I, like Scott's originally from Oklahoma, I'm from Texas, you're from Florida, so so different worldviews. Yeah, different worldviews. <laughs> so okay, we're we're talking about worldview. I think it's good to maybe define yeah. what worldview means. I mean, some of our listeners might go, okay, I've heard of Christian worldview, I've heard of liberal worldview, conservative worldview. Yeah. <laughs> Texas worldview, Florida worldview, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. OU. No, wait, you're no, OSU. No, it's OSU. The Oklahoma yeah. State. <laughs> yeah, yes, see, right. see, he's massively uh, indoctrinated into the OSU worldview. I am. Yeah. It's very okay. different than the OU so, worldview. So let's go back. <laughs> so, so Brian, what is? I mean, when you when when we say worldview, what does that really mean? Yeah. Well, there's there's some great definitions out there, but to put it in very plain terms. It's uh, foundational beliefs about the most fundamental questions of life. And so it's, it's beliefs and practices that, that sometimes unknown, sometimes known, that ultimately form the foundation for how you think and how you act. It, it really hits the biggest questions in life. What's real? Is there a God? Who is he or, or she? 
or whatever it may be. It's all those really big questions, but there's all the minor ones that come out of that too. It's almost, uh, you can imagine, uh, you know, legs coming out for the more minor things, but they come from those central questions and how you answer them. Yeah, that's real. That's, that, that's pretty interesting. In fact, uh, I remember in college reading an incredible book, Universe Next Door, yep. James Sire. Uh, mm-hmm. I would heartily recommend everybody who's listening to read that book because he, he deals with worldview. Uh, he's also got another great book uh, on scripture twisting mm-hmm. uh, that, man, every Christian mm-hmm. ought to read because I, I get asked the question all the time about, you know, well, how do people twist the scriptures for their own worldview, their right. own world belief? But, <clears throat> man, this is so interesting t- to me uh, on how, how is a worldview shaped? I mean, wh- what are some, uh, wh- what does a worldview address and or answer? I mean, yeah. how do we get these things? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> to, to fully answer that, you'd have to be a psychologist, sociologist, anthropologist, historian. You'd have to look at all the fields, theologian, everything else that there is to really get a full view because it really is everything that one thinks and believes about everything. Um, and so, uh, you know, to put it fairly simply, a lot of things lead into a worldview. Uh, one, of the, one of the simplest could be, you know, uh, influences that you had as a child growing up, your geographical, your historical context, what parents taught you, what grandparents taught you, life experiences. Um, you know, there's the ceremonies that occur, you know, if you had a, a bar mitzvah or if you had a sweet 16 party uh, for, for, for a female Cinco. American or you know, whatever. So ceremonies. Uh, but but in the religious sense, it could be, you know, a baptism. It could be Lord's Supper. It can be all of those things that both come out of worldview, but yeah. they also form worldview. Um, so it's it, it's it's really both directions. So lots of things influence a person to form who they are. And experience is a big part. But then the one that I didn't get to is the one that we're kind of, you know, going to end up focusing on is, is the intellectual life. When you've thought through a thing or a set of issues and you've come to a conclusion using rationality and logic and that sort of thing to, you know, analyzing an argument and deciding whether it's a good argument or not. So people come to beliefs through that too. Yeah, you know, in the intellectual world and in the theological world, you know, it reminds me, I think it was Jesus in Mark 8 said to the Pharisees, you have a fine way, you know, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God to follow the traditions of men. So, that's interesting. And the the word uh, repentance itself is metanoia, Mm -hmm. change how you think. So, so when somebody becomes a Christian, uh, you know, literally, what God is asking us to do is change a worldview, which is why, like in the Corinthian church, it was so difficult to do. Uh, because they were so used to worshiping uh, Diana, etc., mm-hmm. you, you know, or, or in Ephesus, Artemis, that was their worldview. So, uh, how how do we know if a worldview is adequate? Yeah, it's uh, the there's a lot of ways, but um, I think uh, Ronald Nash put it put it really well. He has four basic questions, and 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 I think it would be helpful to articulate those a little bit. Um, 
they're, they're in four or four categories, rationality, inner world, outer world, and practice. And I think this is just a very quick way that we all actually use all the time to analyze belief systems, our own or others. We just maybe not uh, have not called it that before. So rationality would be, is it intelligible or logically consistent? Does it make any sense? Do you believe that there's no such thing as reality, but you believe that that chair exists? That's weird. <laughs> that that seems inconsistent, but there are worldviews that, that have that issue. Inner world would be, does it account for the puzzle of human nature? You know, if I think that suffering isn't real, for example, and yet I suffer, so that's strange. You know, what does it does it take into account my real experience in me? And then the outer world, does my worldview correspond to reality? Uh, back to my, my previous one, you know, if, if reality is an illusion, <laughs> then why am I so worried about it? Um, if it doesn't actually exist. And so you've got significant questions. And then finally, and probably my favorite in a way, because it's so easy to understand, is can I actually live that way? If I have a worldview that is consistent, you'll be able to live it out. Maybe not perfectly. None of us can, but and none of us have perfectly articulated or uh, constituted worldviews, of course. But to the extent that we are consistent and that it all fits together, it answers the big questions in life. And ultimately, you can live that way. You can actually live it out. Um, and so when you look at a worldview, you may say, well, that one seems logically inconsistent, but how do they live this way believing this? So for a great example might be, you know, someone who doesn't believe that God exists and that there is no objective morality because there's no God for that to come from. Right. And yet they might have objective moral stances on certain things. <laughs> And so you have to account for, is that logically consistent? And ultimately, can you live consistently with that worldview? You know, that's, that's interesting because when, when I was in high school, I, you know, I started reading a, a lot of philosophy mm -hmm. and, and read Nietzsche and nihilism. And, you know, it, it, the, the worldview that he was promoting was that there is not a God and, and right. really, you know, that, hey, all you live for is what's in this life, so you better get it right the first time around you know because there's nothing after this uh man yeah. that was a, that was a dark world view that i is. mean that world view really led me down a dark path and i right. I, I know you're you're talking about you know some pretty heavy thinking everybody's like yeah dude this is the first podcast and <laughs> we you guys are yeah. just going massively <laughs> deep but you know it does mess with you it does. I mean, if you believe in God or if you don't believe in God or, you know, your experience as a child, Carl Rogers, mm -hmm. you know, with non-directive therapy, tried to overcome his worldview, but he just couldn't quite do it. You know, it kept coming back and he was real ticked off at his parents, you know, <laughs> that, that got him into a uh, really a religious worldview that... Uh, he just couldn't seem to overcome. So, so how do we do that, Ryan? I mean, how how do we overcome mm -hmm. a worldview that is, I mean, messing with us in a in a legalistic or a traditional sense? You know, yeah. how do we do that? How how do you deal with? Uh, you know, it's is it like uh, Alcoholic Anonymous? You know, <laughs> first realizing you have a problem. Right. I mean, could be. Yeah. Um, I think for everybody it's probably different because, um, um, and, and not to cop out there, that it, it, it really is different for different people. You know, I, I find that 
um, you know, the overcoming of false views of a worldview. Uh, for for me as a believer, it it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is about repentance, as you said before. It is all of those things. But if yeah. someone is working outside of the context of um, uh, of being a Christian and trying to develop a more fully Christian worldview, if they're, for example, you know, comparing an Eastern pantheistic monistic worldview to you know a theistic uh, Islamic worldview. Um, you know, there it's not as simple as just changing your mind on things. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, looking at, am I convinced that this worldview is more consistent with reality? Um, but I would say, not that I can say percentages, I would be making them up, but uh, most of the people that I well, talk you know, to or deal with. you know, 67% of all people. Yeah, all statistics all are made statistics up on the spot. Are yeah. made up on the spot. Uh, of yeah. course, yeah, and we could make up a few more <laughs> while we're at it. And and that's absolutely true. But, you know, um, you know, many people form their worldviews and they're not doing it terribly intentionally. Most don't want to employ the time or the discipline that it takes to really dig in deeply to your worldview one for one reason you have to admit you're wrong uh in some cases in other cases it can really mess with you as you said good or bad yeah it can be both um but i think that you know m many elements of worldview formation really are accidental for lack of a better word it's influences of others maybe very positive influence a mentor a parent can shape your worldview if you get to know someone who is very um, financially conservative and knows how to handle money and you've been a big spender and you're destitute because of it, you know, hanging around people that actually know how to manage their money, you maybe don't think through that. You see, I want to live like that guy or that lady and I'm just going to kind of follow. So, you know, worldview shifting is not always a deeply intellectual act. It can be emotional. It can be psychological. It is certainly intellectual. It's experiential. Some man. worldviews just work better practically sometimes, too. Man, there, there are so. so many questions that are swirling around in, in my head. <laughs> I, you know, I, like, like I can remember, uh, you know, following a Nietzsche evolutionist mm -hmm. uh, worldview that did not work for me. You know, it's a Dr. Yeah. Phil thing. Yeah, how's yeah. it working for you? Right. Didn't work at all uh, for me. It, it reminds me at the end of uh, John 6, you know, uh, Everybody was leaving because they didn't like the worldview that Jesus was presenting, and they left. And yeah. he, Jesus says to his disciples, "Hey, you're going to leave too." And Peter says, "Man, these incredible words. Where am I going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life." You know. So for me, uh, reshaping a worldview had to had to start with me believing that the Bible mm. yeah. is the absolute truth. Right. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, you know, that was not from influence for anybody else it was just i had to come to that point where that shapes my worldview so man I, I two two instant thoughts that hit my head one is okay what are you what are you doing as a parent mm. to shaping your children's <laughs> worldview yeah and then you know here here at dcc we're talking about promoting a christian worldview H how do we do that here yeah so, so okay, we, we have just a limited amount of time. Yeah, sure. Okay, only like two minutes. Yeah, so, right. So uh, maybe a little bit more. But, okay, so like with your with your kids, are yeah. you cognizant? I mean, are you aware of the fact that, hey, I'm, I'm shaping my children's worldview, and what does that mean? I mean, if you're talking to parents out there, what would you say, you know, shaping their worldview? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head who, who coined the phrase, but more things are caught than taught or something like that is probably absolutely true. And that most of the worldview training, for lack of a better term, that I do with my children is probably long term, day in, day out stuff I don't say, but the way I behave. That's probably true. Um, and, you know, conveying, for example, when there's a crisis in, in family or in life, conveying a, a sense of trust in God is a worldview issue. Or conveying that, uh, you know, who do you rely on first to go to God in prayer on things? Or, you know, how to treat one another. All those things are, are probably, you know, a large percentage of, of, of what, you know, a parent needs to do. But, but I do believe that there is a place for the intentional, intentional intellectual development of children. Um, and, you know, uh, our family homeschools, for example, um, and, uh, but especially with, with my oldest child and, and uh, who's, who's 13, almost 14, my son. And then um, as my daughters are, are growing up, you know, they're getting a little more of some of this deeper, some of these deeper questions. And, and, and you know, many times it's, it's uh, letting them ask the question, hey, during election season, what about whatever? <laughs> And, uh, you know, my, my son was asking me some questions yesterday about um, the, the two main political parties and what are their differences. And my first response to him was, well, it's a worldview issue. And it actually is because we can talk about all the complex issues and disagreements and those things. But at the end of the day, it's a worldview issue uh, between uh, pretty divided approaches to, well, in this case, politics. And so the, the idea of intentionally taking opportunities to say, how can we think through these issues and dive not just deeper than the superficial level um, that sometimes isn't very helpful in the uh, political discourse, but even below that and say, why does this person who, yeah, they hold to this position and you can analyze that position that they hold on abortion or uh, universal health care, whatever it happens to be, it doesn't really matter. But if you can go below that, then I think you really get to the heart of, of why. Not only does it help yeah. you deal with others on, you don't disagree with me because you're necessarily a bad person. You might be a bad person, but probably not. The, the disagreement could be about a deeply seated worldview issue yeah. that's a matter of the heart or a matter of the mind or experiences. That if you can get to that, not only can you have a greater understanding and have a better, more articulated worldview for yourself, but you can actually have a real conversation with someone who you disagree with because you together work on what's the real issue here. It's just like any kind of conflict, but especially when it comes to these volatile, deeply held positions, if you can go below the surface and, for example, ask you know, what do you believe about human nature? Is that why you hold this position or this position? Yeah. Uh, what, what do you believe about God? That will determine what you believe about this or this. You know, I, I, think, so. about, I think about two different instances in, in uh, the book of Acts. You know, in Acts 7, uh, you know, uh, Stephen is talking to those who have a pretty closed worldview, you know, the Jewish worldview, and he's offering an alternative that they don't like, so they yeah. wind up stoning him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think the uh, second uh, in Acts 17, yeah. you know, Paul is at the Areopagus, and he is interacting with these philosophers, and, and I love what Luke says there. He says they re he reasoned with them, yeah. and 
and I love that idea of sharing perspectives from worldview. I, I would imagine that you don't agree a hundred percent with all of your parents' worldview. I, I, I'm getting. You, I might not get you in trouble here. But. Yeah, probably not. But I can't think of huge disagreements. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, mom, dad, don't listen to this one. <laughs> right, right. Don't listen to this one. Well. Well, we've got to, I know we've got to wrap this yeah. up, but one of the things I, I think, Scott, we're probably maybe going to a, a different, uh, I mean, a, a part two. Or oh, yeah, least. we're going to have to. And, and just as I was listening to to you talk, Brian, I, I was struck mm-hmm. by, and part of that comes from my, my reading through the, the Old Testament that I'm doing in my uh, year-long read-through, and, and I'm convinced God knew so well that, the nation of Israel had to have a proper worldview, which mm-hmm. is why he kept talking to them about yes. it. And I remember, you know, the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 6, uh, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you're yeah. walking along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That is shaping the worldview. That's right of your children, of your family. And and God knew that that when we're around foreign gods, we're around people who think differently than the way he wants us to. They rub off on you. They do. And we become like the people around us. Yeah, usually if they're a majority. Yeah. Well... Hey, uh, next time we we're going to talk about leadership, worldview, and leadership. Okay, I think uh, Brian, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And uh, by the way, the books by James Sire that we recommended, you can uh, we'll have a link to where you could get those. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, Nash and James Sire, and, and uh, wow, this has been really interesting. And hopefully, it's piqued our listeners' interest to go. Okay. When is the second yeah. one about how worldview shapes well, I'm leadership? I'm ready for the second one. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank go. you again for joining us. Again, our our uh, podcast, DCC's Leadership Podcast, is brought to you by Dallas Christian College. You can find out more about the college by uh, checking out our website at www.dallas.edu. And our, our goal, our purpose, is to change the world one student at a time with an education that's Uh, accessible affordable and attainable and we do that through educating and mentoring and we're going to keep talking about that so thank you for joining us today have a have a great day and we'll catch you next time thanks everybody